originally I didn't have any idea about value-based care or even really what ACO stood for. I had to put a sticky note on my computer to remind me what accountable care organization was. Until now, it's really incorporated into what I do on an everyday basis, not just working for Allidade, but with really all my payers, whether it be commercial, MA, Medicare, Medicaid, we're doing the same kind of work across all these genres. Welcome to the ACO Show. Today, Josh and Brian welcome Miranda Morris, Allidate's Market President for Arkansas, and Dr. Sean Purifoy, Regional Medical Director at Allidate and Independent Physician, to discuss how value-based care networks like ACOs grow. Hi, and welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Brian Chaglinski, Allidate's Senior Director of Content and Communications, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Dr. Josh Israel. Today, we're talking with Miranda Morris, Allidade's Market President for Arkansas, about what it takes to grow a value-based care network of independent primary care physicians. Miranda, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Brian and Josh. So you have been with Allidade for quite a while and, and leading the charge in Arkansas, one of Allidade's earliest states and one of the states that we are kind of most active and and spread out. And obviously we work in 36 states in the District of Columbia, but Arkansas has a special one in Allidade's heart as as one of our first. So maybe we'd love to hear a little bit about kind of how you have worked and how you've seen the network of independent primary care, value-based care come together in that state. Kind of what strategies work and kind of how that group comes together. Oh my gosh. Well, I would love to talk about this. It's one of my favorite topics. I think that it's really important, in, and this is something that we've done in Arkansas, to make sure that your ACO is not just about shared savings. And so in Arkansas, I've tried to be very intentional about creating a sense of community and making sure that with each of the ACOs, it's very clear that we're trying to do something here that is, is more meaningful and transformative than just generating a check off of a single subset of patients. So how do you put it together? How do you, how do you make an ACO? Well, so you start off, you know, finding an affinity group. And so we have a group that I started here, an an ACO that is made up of community health centers. So these are the federally qualified health centers that are sort of the primary care safety net in the country. And to get them to, to even get started, started talking with a couple of members of their leadership and they started saying, you know, we feel like we're, we, we've got to learn this value-based care stuff. We, we need to, to, to figure out how to do it. And we don't have a lot of Medicare patients, but we, we need to know the tricks and, and, and the tips. And so, you know, we had a series of meetings to, to start to come together around that goal. They also had a goal of trying to figure out how to do more value-based care work inside of Medicaid, which is tricky for community health centers here in Arkansas for reasons. And so, I mean, I think it's coming together around a common concept or a common goal and then letting shared savings be sort of a carrot or a driver of that. Yeah, you mentioned the work in in Medicaid as well and the value-based care work. There, I think one of the things, obviously, at Allidade, we kind of have this all-payer approach. We're trying to make value-based care work across payers because that's what practices want for their patients. How has that kind of all-payer approach played into growing this network as well? Oh, that's a great question. That has been hugely important. You know, accountable care organizations that focus only on Medicare or Medicare Advantage 
they might make a lot of money, but they're not great for practices. Practices, physicians, they want to treat all their patients the same. And so that has been hugely important here in Arkansas. We're really working toward full panel. Right now, in most of our practices, we have, of course, Medicare, Medicare Advantage, we offer Medicaid, and we have uh, commercial contracts as well. And so at most of our practices, we're contracted now within our network for about 60 to 70% of their total patient panel. And that makes a huge difference in help, helping them to transform all the way through. It also makes a big difference, to your point, in recruiting. People are more interested in working with a group that can work with them across payers. When you think about how to grow an ACO, do you think it mostly at this point comes from you and your Allidade team, or is it more doctors talking to doctors at this point? So I think it is less from me and my Allidade team. Every now and then, you know, we will identify a practice that is really promising and, and, and try to pursue those. But more often, it either comes from doctors talking to doctors, or it comes from sort of groups with which we have created relationships. So for example, we have a great relationship in Arkansas with our Arkansas Academy of Family Practice chapter. And so with our primary care association, which is the group that works with those community health centers. And whenever groups like that become aware of practices that fit sort of the identity that you've established inside of your network, they make great referrals. We've gotten great referrals from public health leaders in the community that just know what we're trying to do. I think the most important thing is getting out into the space, you know, the goals of your group, and then people will start to come to you. I know that we are trying to bring as many practices as we can along for value-based care. It's good for patients. It's probably good for their own independence and longevity. So we don't need people to be perfect proponents of value-based care to join Allidaid. But I would imagine that sometimes you're approached by a physician and you think, actually, I, I don't know that these are the best reasons for joining, or I don't know that this will be a great fit. Does that ever happen? Absolutely. And I mean, it's tricky. Fortunately, Allidaid has a lot of diversity in terms of what we can offer. And so, you know, if it's a clinic that really wants to get involved, but I'm not exactly sure, we have sort of ACOs that we can put them in that are almost like starter ACOs. Let them try for a year. You know, sometimes your reasons for wanting to do something may not be the greatest, but they evolve over time. Some of our best doctors right now, our strongest value-based care doctors started off very unhappy about this whole revolution that they were being pulled into. And now they're some of our biggest supporters. I maintain hope that even for the clinics that might come in for not optimal reasons, that they begin to see the value of what they're doing. And I, and I do see that every day. I see physicians who have been frustrated about all of the extra things that they're having to do, the documentation, who have sort of an aha moment where you know, they catch an early colon cancer in a very young patient or something like that. And and they're like, oh, actually, this is why I went to medical school after all. I love that you maintain hope because you're giving all of us hope right now listening to this. I think trying to look ahead a little bit, we always talk about CMS has set a goal of getting every Medicare beneficiary in a value-based care or accountable care relationship by 2030. And our team has done some analysis and found that that would require about 3 million Medicare beneficiaries getting into value-based care every year between now and 2030. It's a huge goal. And I imagine we're seeing similar momentum in the commercial space and with other payers as well. As this kind of value-based care movement is taking off, how important do you think these like doctor-to-doctor -doctor connections and this kind of network of physicians will be to 
reaching that goal? And are there some ways that we can, either we or policymakers can kind of help make that kind of knowledge sharing and, and networking more successful? Yeah. So I, I think that to your first question, the, the doctor to doctor interactions, absolutely essential. One of the things that we've done in Arkansas that's been really effective is to try to really promote some of our physicians who have become experts in this. And so our awesome communications team at Allidade has worked with those docs to pull together columns that we've put out in local and regional publications. That way other doctors in the community know, you know, Dr. Walker in between is somebody I can talk to about value-based care and he understands it. I think in terms of the, the, the policy side, and this is another place where I'm, I'm really optimistic, you know, I, I think that Medicare will get there. They've got the support, they've got the infrastructure. In terms of the commercial space, I see more and more interest from employers in trying to really understand and encourage value-based care for employer-sponsored health plans. And I think because of that, yeah, it is going to continue to grow. And policymakers need to make that a little bit easier because right now for employers who want to try to work across state lines to develop value-based care networks, it is, it is difficult because of some policy barriers. So that's an area I would love to see progress in. Now, I know that Allidade's best-selling point is success. It's the providers, the physicians who are in it, talking about the results, how it's changed their practices. But we have been trying to grow the ACO and encourage more physicians to give it a try. So there's a referral program now. Is that right? There is, yes, an ambassador program. And we've done variations on this for, for, for a while. So it, it has sort of an organic growth trajectory. And so the referral program, the ambassador programs, those just give a little bit more structure to that. Miranda Morris, Market President of Validate Arkansas. Thanks for joining the ACO show. That was very educational. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, guys. All right, we're now joined by Dr. Sean Purifoy, the owner of Malvern Family Medical Clinic in Malvern, Arkansas, and a senior medical director here at Allidade. Dr. Purifoy, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure, thank you for having me. We're talking today about what it takes to grow and really kind of help spread the word about value-based care and specifically growing an ACO and how you encourage more physicians and practices to jump into the work of value-based care. Maybe you could give us a little bit of just a context about your practice and the ACO that you work with and how long you've been in value-based care with Allidade. Well, I am a uh, solo doc. I have a couple of nurse practitioners who work for me as well. My town would be considered rural by most standards, about 10,000 in our town. I started working with Allidade. I signed my participation agreement way back in 2014. And at that time, Arkansas didn't even have its own ACO. We were part of a, a multi-state ACO through Allidade. But now, since 2017, we've grown not only our what we call legacy or OG ACO, but also other ACOs since that time, including CHCs and new practices, even a couple of hospital systems that we're working with. And so we've really grown over the last eight years. And my role has sort of been growing along with the program, right? So originally, I didn't have any idea about value-based care or even really what ACO stood for. I had to put a sticky note on my computer to remind me what accountable care organization was. Until now, it's really incorporated into what I do on an everyday basis, not just working for Allidade, but with 
really all my payers, whether it be commercial, MA, Medicare, Medicaid, we're doing the same kind of work across all these genres. And so it turns out to have been pretty fortuitous that I got involved with Validate when I did. You know, as one of the OG members of the ACO, I hope you'll frame that sticky note, you know, like the dollar bill in the diner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, well, it's funny. I used to have like a hundred sticky notes everywhere because you have to learn so many abbreviations. And I catch myself now thinking about that a lot, how it's just part of what I do now. And it was so before, but even old dogs can learn some new tricks, I guess. We want Allidade's ACOs to grow. We want ACOs in general to grow. We think it's a good thing for the country, for doctors, for patients, value-based care to spread. The finances get easier when you can scale something up and do it at scale. But as a doctor in an ACO, you rise and fall together. You know, your shared savings, your success, your quality measurements. So I assume you don't want just anybody in an ACO, in your ACO. So I wonder how you think about that and and how you implement that. Yeah, I mean... You're exactly right. We strive real hard to get the people that are in the ACO on board with doing the work of the ACO, as you mentioned, all the metrics that we have to meet, but also just the mindset change that you have to have when you start thinking about wrapping your arms around patients instead of, you know, saying my job is to give you advice and your job is to decide whether or not to take it. But more, my job now is to give you good incentives to take it and show you why it's best for you and for me and for our community. And so that is a lot of hard work. And when you do get people all rowing in the same direction, the last thing you want to do is bring someone in who, you know, doesn't at least show the potential to want to learn to do that. And used to, in the old days, we didn't have any choice. We needed warm bodies and we needed people in here. And then we would, you know, make them better after they got here. Now, We can be a little more selective, at least about people's willingness to understand what they're signing up for. And and so we think about that as we go out and communicate with these practices in our state who have shown an interest in Allidate, and we make sure that they understand what we're doing so it's the right fit for both of us. Yeah, that point on understanding what we're trying to do together and the the willingness to be educated. Education, we we keep finding, is just such an important part of this to help folks understand how value-based care works, how physician-led value-based care is is different and the results behind it and the evidence behind it. You joined in 2014, you you say, you know, you were one of the OGs. How has the educational landscape changed? Like are, are physicians coming to you now with a more full understanding of value-based care or is it more of just, I keep hearing this term now, what does it mean? What educational questions are you getting from physicians when it comes to joining an ACO? Well, It's sort of a mixed bag, really. I mean, you do get some who come to you with a lot of knowledge. So maybe they participated in a comprehensive primary care program, or they have participated in a patient-centered medical home program. So they, they do understand some of the tenets of what, you know, the mainstream media would call value-based care but they don't really understand it from the standpoint of what does that mean when we start talking about transforming our practice of medicine? Not just how do I participate in some program so I get some benefit financially? Because of course, at the end of the day, you've got to have that and you especially have to have that in primary care if you're an independent. But more importantly, how do I make it be something that I don't think is a flash in the pan? Many independents like me who get to the middle of their life and maybe the downside part of their career on the way toward the end, 
have seen a lot of different things like, you know, managed care and HMOs and hospitals buying up practices. And I've lived through all that and survived it and not been scarfed up. So it's real easy to look at value-based care as the next thing. And I think you hear a lot of primary care doctors saying, nah, it's not going to be around in a few years. It's not going away. It's not going away out of necessity. Even if it wasn't a good thing, which I believe it is, Medicare is going broke. And if we can't figure out a way to keep it from going broke, it's going to affect all of us. And since that's the case, anything that we can do to add value and decrease cost is going to be something that Congress sticks to, that the American people stick to. And so I think the sooner that we understand that, the more we can say, okay, if this is the thing that I'm going to have to do anyway, at least let me figure out how to do it in a way that makes me financially viable as an independent. And I don't have to worry so much about it if I can figure it out. But when I, when I resist it and I look around and everyone else is doing it, except for me, then I'm in a bad spot. And so now when people come to us, they're saying, yeah, we need data. We understand that you have that at Allidade. We need some training on workflow. We understand you have that at Allidade. The last people fill in the blank that we were working with didn't necessarily give us that, or maybe they promised it, or they told us they would. And so that's what we hear now versus three years ago when they were like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Why are you calling me? So, you know, we do see this sort of shift in people's understanding that this is a force to be reckoned with. And if you're going to sign up with someone to help you learn how to do it, you might as well sign up with someone who is progressive about it and working with doctors, not you know, talking at doctors. There's a line I like about parenting, which is try to raise kids that you might want to spend some time with. You're going to be around them a lot. You're in an ACO. You're going to be around your colleagues quite a lot. How do you talk about an ACO and joining an ACO when you're, when you're speaking with somebody who might be thinking about joining and you want them to, to really come in with full awareness of it? Yeah, I talk a lot about my own experience. I was the poster child for fee-for-service before I was a value-based care doctor and was very successful. I mean, I didn't have struggles financially. I was doing just fine. But I took a look at the landscape and saw that things were changing with value-based care and with MIPS and MACRA, meaningful use and, and, and the ways that I had made my living in the past probably were not going to be sustainable, or at least I was suspicious that they would be. And so I share that a lot with these practices because most of us who are independent are independent for a reason. It's not because we couldn't get hired by somebody. It's because we didn't want to be. And so when you start, you know, messing with the formula that has worked for us, then that makes us very suspicious. So some of us come to value-based care because we have a necessity to do so. We can't make it anymore because our particular regional payers are requiring things that we just can't do. And we need some help from someone like Alameda. We need to figure out how to make it work. Others of us have to be convinced. And so I try and talk about how I used to do it and how I do it now and why I think it's better for my patients. That's, that's the key. It can't just be I made a little more money because, quite frankly, that's not the case. I mean, I haven't lost any money by making this change, but it didn't like make me rich. And I think if we talk to doctors about that and act like it's going to be this boon for their practice, we're missing the point. We need to tell our physicians how they can make a change that's going to make it so that they can continue to do the kind of work that they like to do 
that they signed up to do in the first place. And it's going to be helpful for their patients. And they can feel comfortable knowing that going forward, they know how to survive in this world that's changing, whether they wanted to or not. So I think a lot of personal testimonial. And also, you know, if you get a shared savings check and you go to a primary care office and you say, I don't mind sharing with you, you know, between you and me and the fence post, this is how much money I got last year. This is how many Medicare patients I have in my practice. You know, you work hard, do the work that we're asking you to do. There's no reason why you can't do the same thing. And that speaks volumes to another physician. They hear me say that and I say, and by the way, I'm still seeing patients, you know, three and a half days out of my week, apart from what I'm doing with Validate. I can make that work and it's helping my practice. Then they 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 can get behind that. And it's not like someone trying to be a consulting company and teach them something that they maybe didn't need in the first place, they, they can see real results. And, and I think that that goes a long way, especially if you're trying to vet them and, and, and see if they're going to be a good fit for you, just like you being a good fit for them. Well, Dr. Sean Purifoy of Malvern, Arkansas, thanks for coming back on the show. Always great speaking with you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This episode of the ACO Show was produced by Leanne Horst, Dan Ablin, and Alana Coogan. Our theme music is by Greg Berry. You can find previous episodes on our website, alladay.com, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. The ACO Show will be taking a summer break, and we will be back with a new season of shows for you in September. Thanks for listening.